my suite this is on. So, hey guys, uh, my name is Steven Yates, and I'm super pumped to be here tonight. Um, like they said earlier, this is going to be kind of a thing that we're doing for the next month that we have like a senior speak day so that each week a senior is going to come up here and talk to you guys and uh, you're going to get some opportunities to listen to some really cool people. Um, so I'm really excited over these next few weeks. But um, as a senior, you kind of get um, a few different questions that are always asked you all the time, like where are you going to college, what are you doing with your life, that sort of thing. And um, I don't know, those kind of get old from time to time, but there are some like le lessons that you'll learn um, over your senior year so that you guys have to look forward to those. Um, one of the big lessons that I've been learning is the lesson of leadership. And so that's kind of like a generic sort of thing at first, you might think. But um, what I've really learned and one of the big lessons that I've learned is that there's a big difference between uh, good leadership and bad leadership. And there's like a really noticeable difference that comes out of those. Um, let's see. Like, there's just some people that you see that you like recognize as really good leaders and then some people you recognize as maybe not so good leaders. Um, you can kind of see some examples of these in everyday life. Like um, I look to like sports teams or whatever where there's um, the, the owner of a sports team. So let's say like Robert Kraft, for example. I don't know how you guys feel about the Patriots, but he's a really good owner. And so he's really involved in that team and he really cares about uh, the people in that organization and he's always there to help them and everything. Um, but... And so it's shown the success on the field and success just as an organization as a whole is really amazing. Whereas you take the owner of the Browns, for example, and it's maybe not so good. He's one of the things that I've heard about that specific owner is how he's super distant from the from his organization and people don't know if they can trust him or not. And you can see it in the organization that just the dysfunction that's there and um, really bad things on the field happen. Um, you can also see examples of leaders from like presidents and stuff like that. It, it doesn't really matter what your like political affiliation is or anything, but um, there's just some presidents who've just done a really good job, whereas there might be some presidents who've not done a good job. Like the one that pops into my mind immediately is James Buchanan and people would be like, who's James Buchanan? Um, he was a really bad president, maybe that's why you've never heard of him, but he was the guy who came right before the Civil War happened, and so basically he was there, and all this um, stuff was blowing up, and basically he just let it all happen, and so Civil War is partly James Buchanan's fault, and so you like, when I'm thinking about leadership, I'm like, wow, there's like a really big difference between those two things, but um, as we kind of start, like, you might be wondering, like, why am I even bothering talking about leadership in the first place? because we're just a bunch of students. I mean, we're sixth graders, we're ninth graders. We don't, we're not like leaders or whatever. But um, what I wanna really tell you guys tonight, and if there's one thing that you can really get away from this message, it's that um, you're all leaders in some form and fashion. No matter what areas of your life that you're in, um, there's at least one area where you're a leader. Um, it might be on your sports teams, it might be um, in your family, it might be at home, or at home and in your family, come on, son. But um, it might be here, all these different places. There's going to be one area of your life where um, you're a leader to someone. Being a leader doesn't have anything to do with titles or positions or anything like that. But what it really has to do with is the influence that you have over people. So if you make an influence on some people, then you're technically being a leader in that situation, whether you really want to be or not. And so it's all up to you to decide what type of leadership you're going to have. Is it going to be that good leadership? where success and good things follow out of it, or is it gonna be bad leadership like James Buchanan? 
Um, so as we kind of um, started tonight, there's some examples of leadership in the Bible that um, some people are really good and some people have been really bad also. Um, my mind shifts to David immediately. King David, he's an awesome guy, led Israel so well and led them in battle and just the nation and everything. Or maybe there's like Paul who kind of led in the New Testament. He leads the church and he comes out there and plants churches everywhere and is just uh, mentoring people and just is an awesome guy. And there's also some bad examples too, to be honest. Um, throughout the Old Testament, there's a whole bunch of different kings who came in and for the, the nation of Israel who just led them down a horrible path. Um, basically, they came in and uh, led their people to commit idolatry or commit different sins. And so that just took them down a path of destruction. And because of that, sometimes there was famines that came on the nation of Israel, and sometimes there were, um, they got exiled, like the nation of Israel ceased to exist because of the leadership of these bad kings. Um, but there's one specific example I found in the Bible that kind of talks about leadership a little bit. And it's kind of from a passage that you may not have heard before. Um, I know I hadn't until pretty recently, but I stumbled upon this passage and it really just spoke to me so much about leadership and all this kind of study that I'd done about leadership. Um, it really just kind of came in and, and uh, spoke to me. So I really wanted to share that with you guys tonight. Um, so we're going to be in Ezekiel 34 tonight. Um, so you guys may be saying, oh, I've never even read Ezekiel before, but I hadn't either until just a couple months ago, so we're in the same boat. Um, but as you might see when you turn there finally, um, that the title is going to be something like The Prophecy Against the Shepherds of Israel. And again, that's a super random title, and you're like, Stephen, why are you, why are you even bothering talking about this? What is this? Um, but I hope you guys will be able to see in just a few minutes as we kind of unpack this. But the first thing that you should know about this passage when it says the shepherds of Israel, it's not actually talking about literal people who go out there and herd sheep. Um, the word shepherd a lot of times in the Bible is used as kind of an analogy to talk about leadership. And so when they're saying prophecy against the shepherd of Israel, it's God speaking out against the bad leaders of Israel, basically. It's the people who are supposed to be in charge of Israel and supposed to be guiding them and protecting them and watching over them. And instead, they're taking them down the wrong paths of idolatry and of sin and stuff. So these are the people that should be setting the absolute example for the Israelites. Um, people like the priests or people like governors or kings or people like that. Um, that's who the shepherds kind of means in this situation. Don't, don't be like kind of caught up in that. But I hope to kind of learn from actual shepherds um, what they're doing um, that's kind of wrong here. But people in the Bible would kind of see this as a very... Um, very familiar analogy, because you see shepherds and everything all the time. You're walking down the road, and there's shepherds, there's their sheep and everything. So they're going out there, and they understand um, in this time and in this place um, what this analogy is supposed to be kind of getting at. So I want to go ahead and read from Ezekiel 34, 1 through 5. So it says, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. So that's some pretty strong language right in there. Like God really goes off on this list of you've not done all these things. And those are all the jobs that shepherds are supposed to do. So I kind of want to unpack um, those different things in there for you guys tonight. Um, so really the first job that we see in this uh, passage 
would be the job of a shepherd is to feed the sheep. Um, so you see back in verse 2 where it says, shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves, should not the sh- uh, shepherd feed the sheep? So basically, if you're kind of going to unpack it this way, is that if you were just a shepherd and you were out tending all the sheep, but all you did was just eat sheep all day, you wouldn't be a particularly good shepherd. Um, so you might think, oh, well, it's their sheep. They can do with it what they want. But the truth is, back in the Bible, a lot of times, if you were a shepherd, um, the sheep weren't actually your own. They were somebody else's sheep. Um, a wealthy person would own the sheep, and they would um, hire shepherds to watch over the sheep for them. So um, an example of this that you can see in the Bible is that uh, Abraham, he was super wealthy, had a whole bunch of different animals and stuff like that, sheep, goats, camels, all these different things. But he, had, he didn't actually go out there and watch all of, it, all of them himself. Um, people came in and were shepherds for him. So when the shepherd, when God says, you've been eating the sheep, the sheep are actually gods here. Um, they're the gods, the one, the sheep, let me just clarify for you, are the, the people of Israel. And so God is saying that the people of Israel are his, his own, and he's entrusted um, them to the care of these shepherds, so to say, the leaders of Israel, but they haven't been doing a very good job. Um, one illustration that I kind of like to think about this um, would be if you and your friend went to Chick-fil-A and you're just kind of sitting there and you say, oh, dude, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. And all of a sudden you, you go and you do whatever you need to do and then you come back and then you see that all of your Chick-fil-A has been eaten. It's like, dude, what the heck? I entrusted my Chick-fil-A to you. You were supposed to watch over it. You were supposed to protect it or whatever. But um, you come back and find it eaten. Like, wouldn't you be mad in that situation? I know I would be. I mean, I'm a little protective of my waffle fries. Um, <laughs> but anyways, but God entrusted his people to these shepherds. And they went out there, and they're using them for their own gain. And they are just um, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, So basically, they're just trying to gain um, whatever they can from their position of power and influence. Since they're the leaders, they can kind of do what they want, and so they use the people of Israel to kind of get what they want. Um, So as it applies to our leadership, um, this might be a little weird to think of, but as leaders ourselves, because I told you guys, we're all leaders in some area of life, right? So any place that you have influence over, our job is to feed the sheep. And so that's, that's a little strange concept at first. You're like, well, I'm feeding the sheep. What does that mean? But really, to unpack that, it's not, about, um, it's not about getting things for your own. It's taking care of those who are under you. Those who have influence over, it's all about taking care of those, uh, those people and trying to do what's best for them. That's what real leadership is. Um, one of the best examples I can find of this in the Bible is found in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, basically, don't do anything for yourself, but um, in humility, consider others more important than yourselves, and look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So it's all about taking your leadership and your influence and helping others with it, and not helping yourself, necessarily. Um, I know it can seem a little bit counterintuitive, because you're thinking, oh, I'm the leader. Well, I should be getting all this stuff from being the leader. There should be perks for it. But no, being a leader is all about being a servant. And so when you're with the people that you have influence over, you need to be serving them and um, helping them, basically. Um, this, to kind of finish out this section, there's like a challenge that Jesus gives to one of his disciples. He's talking to Peter after he's resurrected, and he's about to go up into heaven again or whatever. But um, he comes, Jesus comes to Peter and says um, three times, like, hey, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, of course I love you, Jesus. Like, you're awesome. You just raised up from the dead. Like, of course. Um, but then Jesus says this thing. He tells him, feed my sheep, Peter. 
And Peter's kind of like, okay, well, that's weird. But, um, but Jesus says that three times over and over again. He asks, hey, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And he says, feed my sheep. So basically what he's telling Peter to do is he's entrusting the leadership of his church on earth to Peter. He's saying, hey, all these new Christians who are going to be down here, I, I want you to lead them. I want you to watch over them. I want you to take care of them. And so he's entrusting the leadership to Peter. So when we have influence over people and we're kind of leading people per se, um, we're supposed to feed the sheep. We're supposed to take care of those people and serve them. Um, the second thing that we can see that shepherds um, should be doing is that shepherds should be encouraging and bring, binding up and bringing back their flock. Um, so one big thing about sheep is that they're notoriously stupid. Um, that's just the way that they are, to be honest. I don't know. That might be mean, but basically they're just really stupid animals, and they like to wander off wherever, and they like to fall off cliffs and that sort of thing. So the job of a shepherd is basically to protect the sheep, um, so he's supposed to go out there and make sure that the sheep aren't uh, wandering off and falling off cliffs or getting eaten by wolves or that sort of thing. Um, so this is sort of almost like a weird analogy of uh, babysitting almost. It's kind of like, um, have any of you guys ever been babysitters or had to, con yeah, I know, lead a lot of kids? It, it can be hard sometimes. Sometimes they're going out to different places and uh, one kid's touching a stove and another kid's trying to stick his finger in the electrical socket and all this sort of thing. And it's all going crazy. But um, basically, your job as that babysitter is supposed to be watching over them and protecting them. And then if something goes wrong, there's, there's no parents there or anything to help you. It's, it's your job to be able to heal that sick kid. So if he burns his hand on the stove, you have to be able to bind that kid up again. Um, and that's the job of a shepherd, too. Um, so basically, as we see in these passages um, where it says, like, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, these shepherds or the leaders of Israel basically just ignored the people of Israel. And so when things happened to them that were wrong, when they went off and they sinned or they wandered away from God or they followed after idols instead, they just ignored their, the mistakes that they made and did nothing to bring them back into the flock. Um, so... When we're kind of leaders, we have to be able to encourage, and we have to be able to bind people up, and we have to be able to bring them back to the flock. So whenever the people that you have influence over mess up, because ultimately they will, like we're all humans and we all mess up, so definitely the people that um, you're leading are going to be messing up at some point, you have to be able to come in and you have to be able to encourage them and say, hey, this is, this is what you need to do. It's, it's just simply human nature that they're going to mess up. But luckily for us is we don't have to do this on our own, right? Um, a great verse in the Bible that um, gives us just an assurance that we have a tool to be able to use in this situation is found in 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. <clears throat> Excuse me. So basically what that means is that we have the tool. We have our Bible right here. Like, this is what we need to use to bring people back. So when somebody goes off and sins or they're disobedient to their parents or whatever, it's, we have to be able to stand up and step out and say, hey, man, that's not what you're, that's not what you're doing. That's not what you're supposed to do. Um, you should point them back to where it says, honor your father and your mother. Use the scripture. Um, this is God's gift to us, and he's gifted us with this ability to use the scripture. So that's not on our own power or, or our own understanding, per se, but it's all on what we find in here to bring people back and to encourage them and stuff. But while we're doing that, we have to be a little bit careful at how we do it because sometimes it can come off as a little bit judgmental or preachy and 
I don't know, I'm preaching right now, so <laughs> I guess that's a little weird to say, but um, we have to be kind of careful at what we do, um, because the third point that I have for you guys is that a shepherd leads with grace and not with harshness. Um, there's one specific really great example in the Bible that a lot of you guys probably memorized or tried to memorize at least as a kid um, from Psalm 23. And so that basically says, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lays me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So this is saying that the Lord is our shepherd, and this is how he treats us. He leads us calmly. He leads us gently. He leads us with grace. Um, when we make mistakes, he forgives us, and he brings us back. So doesn't this sound like somebody who's leading with gentleness and who only wants the best for you? That's God's example that he gives to us, and um, the example he uses is to be a shepherd there, that shepherds are full of grace for their sheep. Um, and so that's the example that we should be following in our own leadership. Mm. So when we're leading, we can't go about um, correcting people with strong-arming them or arguing in them into the way that we want them to think. We have to be able to use God's word and tell it to them with, with grace and with, uh, in a loving attitude. And that's, that's honestly the most important thing, is that we shouldn't be frustrated with them in the mistakes that they might make. Um, as we see kind of later in verse 4, that the, the shepherds ruled over the people of Israel with harshness, and that's just not the way that we should be acting at all. Um, and because of all that, the people of Israel were scattered. What we should instead do, we can find in 2 Timothy 4, 2, where it says to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with Exhort is basically like encouraging, but with complete patience and with uh, teaching. So basically, we should be uh, going out there and encouraging people with patience so that when they mis make mistakes and make mistakes over and over again, um, we don't just let them get away with it. We don't just ignore it, but we go out there and tell them the truth in love and with grace. Um, as you're kind of leading people in your lives, leading them closer to a relationship with God, um, sometimes there's just going to be bumps in the road. And sanct the sanctification process, like us growing closer to God, it doesn't take place overnight. It's a gradual thing. And so it's going to be that way with the people that you're leading also. Um, but one encouragement that I found um, in that whole thing is whenever I want to kind of get mad at people for the mistakes that they make, um, there's this parable that Jesus told where he was talking um, basically, the example is that there's like a king, and there's this one guy who owes this king like a, a million dollars or something like that. And the king is super gracious to him and just says, hey, I'm, I'm not going to make you pay all this money. And so the guy is super thankful to the king and everything. And then he goes out, and some guy down the street owes him $10, and he goes up and like tries to beat this guy up and says, why won't you give me my $10? And it's kind of like, okay, dude, what are you, what are you doing here? This, the king right here basically just forgave a whole lifetime of debt, and then you go back to this guy and say, dude, give me my, my $10. Like, it makes no sense if you're, if you're thinking about it that way. But that's what's happened with us, guys. Um, to be completely honest, we don't deserve um, anything. We've sinned against God so many times, and we have such a debt that we've built up with all the sinning that we've done in our lives. But God forgave us, and so if we don't forgive those around us and we don't um, lead people with grace, we're just being like that guy who, um, even though his debt of a million dollars was forgiven, you go out and um, get angry over $10. So we want to make sure that we're not doing that. So the three points I have is um, to be feeding the sheep and to be um, encouraging and binding people up and doing that in a way with grace and with love.
But the one good thing for us, again, I wanted to just tell you guys is that we don't need special titles or positions to be able to be leaders. Um, you just need to be able to do these things in your daily life. And Honestly, it's not even about doing uh, Bible studies or creating Bible studies or things like that. It's just living it out in your daily life. Like most of the time and most of our Christian life isn't lived inside the church walls. It's lived outside of them. And so what we have to do is take um, what we learn from this place and what we learn from, um, from others and just live it out in real life. And so it's not all about um, making special times of Bible study and things like that, but spur of the moment things that happen just like that you go in and encourage people in those situations. Um, so you guys might be asking a little bit, like, how do you go about, like, becoming a better leader? How do you go about doing these things? Um, so I just have three quick points again for you guys. Um, the first would be to closely follow your own good shepherd. Um, back up in Psalm 23, it says that the Lord is our shepherd. And that's, that's honestly the biggest point that I can possibly make to you guys is that you have to fo closely follow your own shepherd. Um, if you don't know the way that Jesus is going and the way that you should be following after Jesus, how can you possibly take people along that road with you? Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and then the second thing would be to closely follow your own um, earthly shepherds on earth. So again, the shepherd's analogy being like your leaders here on earth, these people that we have at the church are fantastic. We got Alec, we got Jonathan, we have Francis, we have Stephen, we have Ryan. All of these different people are here for you and to help you, and they're, they're being the example earlier of feeding their sheep. They wanna be able to help you out in every way that they possibly can. So what we have to do is just go to them, just ask questions, um, get to know them, hear stories, ask for prayer, um, get advice. That, that's how we kind of grow closer. So first, when you're closely following your good shepherd, you have to be up there and you have to be meditating on God's word and you have to be um, in prayer and just really desiring after God and following after him. But then when you're in your life, go to your parents or um, just other people who you look up to or kind of acknowledge as leaders or people of influence over your life, uh, a godly influence anyways, and just learn what they've learned and just kind of get wisdom from them. And then my last point would be, um, so the first two things are about following. This last one is about leading. And the only way that we can really lead is to lead like Jesus did. Um, Jesus had just a small group of people. He had his 12 disciples, and he poured just um, intentionally and relentlessly into those men. And so when he finally left, they were able to start this revolution of Christianity, and they were able to just explode Christianity um, way beyond what it started in just one city. But Jesus was super intentional with those people. And like I mentioned before, like it wasn't um, always planned things, but Jesus would be walking along the side of the road and he would come to people and from those different uh, examples and from those different places, he gave them messages and he gave them um, examples of how they're supposed to live their lives. And that's what we need to do with uh, the people that we come in contact with. Um, it's just spur of the moment things that um, if you're following after your good shepherd, if you're uh, really just intentionally diving in into what God has to say for you, then you'll be able to pour out um, to other people. And then the last part of leading like Jesus um, would be leading with humility and that humble servant attitude. Um, that's all about feeding your sheep again. Um, but Jesus came down and he himself was God. And it's a really strange concept to understand that God came down to earth and decided that he was going to serve us and humble himself before us. Um, but if God did it, then how much more should we be doing it? 
um, basically, it's all about humility, and it's all about um, putting yourself, um, putting others before yourself. And so humility isn't about thinking less of yourself and thinking, oh, I'm just not good enough sort of thing. It's not about like a lack of self-confidence, but humility is not thinking of, your, of less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. There's, there's a big difference there. It's not, about, it's not about me anymore is what that attitude says. That's, that's what true humility is. So to kind of lead like Jesus is to be humble and to be intentional with people. So I hope you guys are kind of able to grasp those things, but I just wanted to encourage you with a couple last points here is that the, the big main thing that I wanted you all to get again is that we're all leaders in some areas of our life. And whether you know it or not now, I just wanted to tell you that um, <laughs> wherever you're at, there is someone who you have influence over and there is someone who looks up to you and looks to your example. So you have to know what kind of godly example you're setting for them. Um, but just for a verse of encouragement for you, since you're all leaders here, is that is one of my favorite verses, 1 Timothy 4.12, which says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And honestly, you could um, insert any excuse that you wanted to in that um, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young part. You could say because I can't talk very well, or I'm not popular, or I'm not a great athlete, so I can't do it on my sports team. The, the, those are all just excuses. And so but basically what Paul is saying to Timothy in this letter is don't let anyone look down on you because of you're young. Maybe if you're a sixth grader or a middle schooler, you might think, oh, well, I'm too young to be a leader sort of thing. But that's not the case at all. He's saying you just need to set the example anyways. And then the last thing um, that I want to say to you guys today is just kind of finding Jesus in all of this. Um, if you go down a little bit, if you still have your Bibles open to Ezekiel 34, uh, if you go down to verses 11 and 12, it says, um, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. My goodness, that is exactly what Jesus did when he came down to this earth. <laughs> that is what Jesus did. He came and he sought us out. And so he came he down to this earth and he died for us. And that's just an incredible thing to think of again. But this is, this is Jesus in this passage. And so God is just kind of reassuring us like, hey, I'm going to be the one to seek these people out. These people who um, you have influence over and who you're leading, I'm going to be the one to seek them out. But the incredible news for us is that he doesn't just do it. He uses us um, he works through us and uses us to do that um, and to participate in that process. And so I guarantee in this room that um, there's, there's people who are being called to be leaders in their schools and in their sports teams and in their families and even at this very church. But you don't know how you're supposed to set the example because you're kind of a little, a little shy or something like that. You, you have that excuse but I just want you to know that I've been in that same boat before and that um, instead of doubting your own ability to shepherd those around you, you should spend some time uh, trusting in your own good shepherd. Um, so that's really one I wanted to talk to you guys about. So if you all want to bow with me tonight, um, just wanted to pray for you guys. Um, while we're doing this, I just want you all to think, who are those people that you have influence over? And... Who are those people in your life that um, you know you're called to lead?
I just want you all to think for a minute about who your flock is. And as you kind of get those people in mind, um, what kind of shepherd have you been to that flock? Have you been ruling over them with harshness? Have you been using them or ignoring their troubles? Or is God calling you tonight to go out and, and feed your sheep, to be a servant to them, to love them, to treat them with grace? The funny thing about grace is, is that, um, that it's undeserved. And so even though there might be people in your life who you think don't deserve that grace that you could give to them, God gave the grace to us. We hope that you've enjoyed the message today and that it will be a source of encouragement to you this week. At Champion Forest Baptist Church, we desire to help people make sense out of life through Christ-centered living. And that's because with Christ, we have hope and true satisfaction. The Bible clearly states that all men have offended God by worshiping things He created instead of Him. We have chosen to reject His authority in our life and look for satisfaction in things He created instead of Him, which is ultimately pointless given that He is truly the only thing that can satisfy us completely. He is the perfection of everything we seek. The problem is, though, that once we have sinned against Him by turning to these other things, a gap is created between us, not allowing us to access Him anymore to find this satisfaction. God's character demands that our rebellion be accounted for before He forgives us. And this is the beauty of the message of Jesus. Christ is perfect in every way. He never rebelled against God, and He took upon our punishment on Himself so that we could be reconciled to God and be fully satisfied in Him, gaining eternal life. We need Jesus because without Him we are without hope, both in this life and for eternity. Turn to Christ alone for forgiveness and find satisfaction fully in our great God. Once again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon.